1: welcome to the White Witch Podcast with me Carly. So you might recognise this is a bit of a different episode to our normal one and this is because I've been working on something a bit different. I am planning on working on bringing out two podcast episodes a week. I will do all I can to get this out and we will have our normal episode and a second episode which will be similar to some of the episodes we had last hour that delve into folklore relating to witches So on the podcast we have our book review of fictional and factual books and it got me thinking how much I love the stories relating to magic and witchcraft. In general the reason I love making the podcast is because I feel like it keeps a lot of ancient lore alive. I have this fear that if we stop talking about some of this ancient information it might just disappear because no one will be passing it down to their ancestors. So I hope you might join me in passing these stories and this information onto others, so perhaps your own ancestors. Storytellers of old were conscious that they were passing on values about our environment and culture within a snapshot of time. Stories hold such power and I cannot reference stories and not mention Clarissa Pinkola Estes who wrote Women Who Run With The Wolves, one of my favourite authors of all time. She quotes... In tradition, a story is holy and it is used as medicine. The story is not to lift you up, to make you feel better, or to entertain you, although all those things can be true. The story is meant to take the spirit into a descent, to find something that is lost or missing and bring it back to consciousness again. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. So our second episode for the week will cover a lot around the Fae. Witches have always had an undeniably close relationship with fairies. It has been argued by an ex-more cunning man and recorded by writer John Garland that witches are fairies half-born in human form. We have more recently talked about Nick Nevin, the Fairy Queen. And for us modern witches, we are usually inherently connected to the land aware of its power and as a result more inclined to have an understanding and fascination with the Fae. Although many advised to not work with the Fae we have records of witches that determine otherwise. For example in 1566 John Walsh of Dorset confessed he would freely communicate with the Fair Folk amidst the hills at noon and midnight. In 1438 Agnes Hancock of Somerset confessed to asking for the Faye's advice regularly whenever she so pleased, and a Yorkshire witch who remains unnamed, but whose reports were documented in 1653 by John Webster, confessed that they had followed a well-dressed woman into a hill wherein lay a great hall occupied by many fairies. It appears that witches were on occasion welcomed into the fairy kingdom, whereas other mortals were tricked or kidnapped into entering and often not allowed to leave thereafter. We will have another episode regarding the Fae on the main podcast, but this will accompany this mini episode delving into different Fae beings. Alongside episodes regarding elemental beings, we will also have more meditations. So we have a sea witch meditation coming up, Tales of famous witches, different spell and ritual work that perhaps wouldn't be long enough to cover for one of our main episodes, but are still elements I would love to bring to the podcast. On today's episode, we are talking all about the Selkie, one of my favorite forms of the Fae, especially as a sea witch who has the sea at the end of her road. Any stories of the sea always sing to my soul. There are many versions of the Selkie story, but through them runs a theme of stolen love, betrayal, forced taming of a magically wild nature, and a yearning for a lost life. The Selkie, merrow, and Mermaid have been a part of mythology for thousands of years within almost every single culture. The Selkie is a supernatural sea creature, a seal person or being, that is able to change forms, which is known as therianthropy, the mythological ability to metamorphose into other animals by means of shape-shifting between a seal whilst at sea and a human whilst on land. This legend is said to originate from Orkney and Shetland Isles of Scotland and can also be heard in tales from Ireland, Wales and Iceland. Selkies are shapeshifters who have purported fey ancestry, whose dealings with the non-fey tend to often be tinged with tragedy. Not only is a Selkie able to take two forms, they are also able to grant wishes and bring luck. In its seal form, the Selkie looks like any normal seal. However, its eyes are said to betray a hint of its intelligence. And in human form, the Selkie is said to be very attractive with gray hair and eyes and very pale skin. When out of the sea, the Selkie must hide her skin carefully lest any man finds her skin and hides it from her, giving him power over her. Selkies are said to be amorous, affectionate and affable and are gentle souls who prefer to dance in the moonlight over luring sailors to their death although there are the odd stories of more malevolent ones. They are often overlooked for the law of sirens and mermaids. The difference between the selkie and the mermaid is the selkie's entire body transformation, not just their fishtails into human legs like the mermaid. Selkies are said to hold a deep curiosity for land dwellers that often leads to marriage. Most of the stories are of selkie women who are captured by sailors and taken to land to become their wives. The men would hide their seal skin to keep them bound to the land. Most of the stories involve the Selkie having an insatiable longing to return to the sea. She will never stop searching for her true skin, no matter how much her husband tries to please her. And once she discovers it, she will flee immediately back to the sea, abandoning her human partner and any children they may have born. The victim within these stories is always the Selkie who suffers the most. Once the Selkie is no longer in possession of his or her skin, the Selkie is under the hold of the human, which is often depicted as a forced marriage. Selkies make good wives, but regardless of how much they enjoy their time on the land, once they recover their lost skin, they will return to the sea without looking back. The children of Selkies are drawn to the sea, they will never drown and have a terrible wanderlust. Particularly lucky sailors might be said to have a Selkie mother. The common theme with Selkies is longing for what they do not have. So when they walk on land as a human, they yearn for the sea. When they are swimming in the water as a seal, they yearn for the land. Male Selkies are said to be particularly attractive and mortal women crave their attention. Should a woman wish to have a lover in the form of a male selkie she should weep seven tears into the water at high tide to meet one. If a woman went missing at sea it is said that she has gone to live with her selkie lover. Male selkies are said to have the ability to raise storms and capsize boats but are also very willing to avenge the indiscriminate slaughter of seals. Stories of Selkies vary, with some that are malevolent and will drag a human to their doom in the water after seducing them. Others tell of Selkies saving sailors. In the Shetland Isles, there are tales of attractive Selkies luring islanders into the sea during Midsummer's Eve and they were never seen again. It is believed that the Selkie arose in legends when early Scottish settlers and shipwrecked Spaniards married dark-haired, fur-wearing, Finnish native women. These women came from the sea, and so therefore this could be how the seal woman came into being. It could have come from the many tales from sailors where they had sightings of seals and imagined them as beautiful women instead. The Rhone are said to be fairy seal people of Scotland, and their name derives from the Gaelic name for seal. Like the Selkies of Orkney and Shetland, they were believed to be people in the form of seals who occasionally came ashore and shed their skins and resumed human form. Selkies of the Shetland and Orkney folklore are said to dwell upon small rocky islands off the coast known as skerries. Legend has it that when a drop of Selkie blood was shed in the sea, Ships should seek shelter, for it would give rise to a mighty storm. Also that selkies can only remain in the presence of humans for a short period of time. Then they must commonly wait seven years to return to the shore. That rule is broken when a selkie is forced to remain a human without his or her consent.
0: Upon one summer's evening I carefully did stray Along the walls of Warping Where I met a sailor gay Conversing with some young lass Who seemed to be in pain Saying, William, if you go, I fear You'll never return again My heart is pierced by cupid, I disdain all glittering gold. There is nothing can console me but my jolly sailor.
1: like you already get the gist of the general Selkie tale so I'm going to read you a different version. This is the Selkie hag's pelt from the book Seasons of Moon and Flame written by Danielle Dolsky. The story begins with a wayward seal woman, a mischievous Selkie who had grown to loathe her fairy blood. This wanton soul, half human and half seal, was a shapeshifter an orphan and a loner. The dead crones who share this tale all say she kept a bitter disdain for her own kind nested close to her spine. This poor selkie creature and with every passing winter she grew more desperate for a life spent on land. The elder selkies were wary of this wildling's haunted heart. Knowing a rebel when they saw one, One fog-filled autumn morning, they caught the outlaw seal woman staring at the beach, wild-eyed and craving trouble. Together, the old seal people warned her to stop longing for the legged life, to enjoy her softer skin only while resting on the rocks safely distanced from the shore and to never venture onto the beach where the lusty pirates gathered. Even if those lectures leave you be, the eldest Selkie said, you would certainly meet your doom in the long caves. Yes, most certainly, the others echoed their priestess. In those thick shadows, you cannot help but see your future and there's not a Selkie alive who wasn't driven mad by knowing her fate. The land-loving Selkie clicked her tongue and retorted, that's it, surely to see one's future is a great gift, "'Surely I wish to know what will become of me.' The old seals eyed each other. In that moment, she was uncertain whether the elder selkies were conspiring to send her away or truly trying to protect her. But in any case, it mattered not, for her mind was well made up. "'You must consider this, child. "'Do you really, truly wish to know your destiny?' Something in the elder's tone did give her pause, but she was a stubborn creature. Without saying goodbye to any of her beloved king, without so much as a nod to the old seals, she slipped into the sea and headed for the stony shore. "'Don't let those pirates steal your pelt!' one of the old seals howled after her, but she barely heard her beneath the grey waves. "'All your jewels,' said another, And don't dare let yourself dry out, another elder said lastly. Before dusk, she was shoreside, stretching her human limbs, long, naked and shivering. Never before had she felt cold like this, a chill that ran bone deep, but she had only her pelt to keep her warm. Alas, the rules of the otherlings were quite strict, and if she were to stretch that tough, skin thin around her shoulders or pull it long to warm her feet she would again be seal and her time here on the beach would come to an end. If she were to strip herself of the frigid woven seaweed and shell jewels that she wore around her neck she would lose the medicine of her people forever. Decidedly she befriended the cold tucking her pelt under her arm willing her jewels to dry and walking north. There were no pirates to speak of. She was a bit disappointed by their absence, truth be told. The caves would be close, though, and the wind was easing its bite. She pondered the elders' words while she walked, but there was no hesitation in her step. Yes, this was the right thing. She would find the cave, see her future, and get on with living it as a whole human, woman, legs and all. Wary she was of her patchworked sea and land life. So exhausting were the nights spent listening to old ones, myths of salmon and marrow. She hungered for stories of wolves and wild mountain people, and she longed to commune with these things called trees. Midnight came and went, The rebel Selkie's jewels had iced over, but the pelt was giving off a lovely heat. She switched arms every so often so both sides could taste some warmth. Then she'd pause her walk and stand on it to warm her feet. She could feel the pelt's desire to be stretched around her as if the skin was the very essence of her otherliness, and she wondered if she would ever be able to let it go forever. Shortly before dawn and just as the sky was pinkening, the Selkie came upon the cave. The beach had ended abruptly, the tide was low and the shadowy entrance was the only thing before her on the path except the high stretching cliffs that surrounded her. Taking a breath and looking west to the sea, the Selkie woman sensed an elder seal watching her, praying she would return to the waves and leave this hallowed place be, but she had come too far to give up now. She was here and she was staying. The cave reeked of brine and death. The walls were streaked white with salt and an eerie gurgling bubbled from deeper in the darkness. Looking over her shoulder, she checked to ensure the entrance was still there and the cool beam of moonlight told her yes. Yes, she could still get out if she had to. Such craggy ground was her lair when she was in seal form, but her human feet were soft and aching from a night spent walking. She could not go any deeper without rest, and she wished with all that she was that she had learned how to make this warm and wild thing the old ones called fire. Curled into a ball with her pelt, wrapped tight in the curve of space between her hip and her low ribs, the Selkie fell into a deep sleep. Never before had she slept in her human form and her dreams seemed to understand what shape her body had taken. Her dreams were so often of shipwrecks and great whales, of sea serpents and water horses, but these human dreams were of half fire and hot meals ivy-blanketed walls and chimney smoke, fat-cheeked toddlers and bearded warrior men. She woke with a shock of heat running through her and she wondered if her pelt had defied her wishes and wrapped itself around her of its own volition. But her eyes focused on the flames of a small fire, then on the old hagwoman who was stoking the embers and adding more driftwood. Stay under that blanket, child. Her voice was gruff. What were you thinking? Your death was moments away, I'm sure. She stirred a cook pot slowly, balanced precariously above the flames. You're no seal anymore. The cold will kill you and kill you swift. The sulky reached beneath her to make sure her pelt was still in place. And indeed it was. I wouldn't take it, I've no use for it, the hag sniffed. How do you know? The selkie started to inquire, but something in the old one's face stopped her. They sat in silence for a time. The fire was a long tonned god and the selkie woman was in love. I've never been so warm in all my life, the selkie said. Never. Oh, that's not true, is it? You only didn't know what cold was, corrected the hag. That's not the same as never having been warm. Humans need their opposites, you see. It's their language that robs them of possibility. It has to be this or that. Never both, never neither. This woman was a witch indeed, thought the Selkie. So you'll be telling me my future then? The hag grinned, handing her a cup of something salty and steaming. I can, yes. The selkie swallowed. Are you sure you want to know? You might go mad. Didn't the elder seals warn you about knowing too much? Something about the fire made the selkie bold and she straightened her spine. Well, what about you? Do you know your future? I do, the hag answered. And are you mad? The hag looked stunned genuinely shocked then broke into an eruption of belly-borne guffaws that echoed between the rock walls and shook the place. I honestly couldn't tell you the hag answered when she calmed herself very well are you ready? The selkie stood letting her blanket drop and holding her palms upright as if she were about to receive some great right. The hag rolled her eyes There's really no need for all that fuss. I'm not about to tell you you're going to be some great queen, you know. The Selkie sighed, opening her eyes and dropping her arms. You'll leave this cave in a few moments after you've gotten what you've come here for. You'll only be outside the cave for minutes before you meet a pirate who's wicked in the best possible way. And you gift your pelt to him along with your heart. The two of you have a child together and spend many happy winters in love, dwelling high on the cliff's edge. In time, though, you begin to dry out. Every time you think of your time beneath the sea, your skin grows a little tauter and your senses fade a little more. One morning you wake, your boy groan and your pirate near death, and you cannot recall why you wear your jewels around your neck. Stricken by grief, you snatch your pelt from its hiding place and walk to the cliff's edge. In a fit, you toss the pelt and the jewels into the sea, but as they fall, you remember the sense of belonging you had only while nested atop a rock miles out to sea, laughing and singing with your sisters. You remember it all, panic and jump off the cliff after your precious things, catching the midair and slipping into your pelt just in time just before the sea was about to break open your fragile human flesh. Out to sea, you swim, rejoining the other world and having many, many stories to tell. Your stubbornness never fades, however, and as one of the elders, you break many rules, even venturing onto shore from time to time and coming here to this cave, greeting wayward selkies who have lost their way and telling them their future. She pulled right out of existence then. The ghostly grannies who tell this story say, and the sulky woman woke wild eyed and near frozen in the cave shadows, wondering what witchcraft had befallen her. There was no fire and she could barely feel her legs. Crawling from the cave now using only her elbows, balancing her pelt on her back and scraping her belly on stones, the Selkie resigned herself to return to the sea. The air outside the cave was warmer, though the sun was sinking low into the western fog and she took one last breath as a human woman on land before unfolding her pelt and stretching it thin over her feet. Oh, and the warmth was glorious. She pulled the skin higher on her legs and feeling came back into her lower parts. She couldn't get it back on fast enough now as she lay back on the beach, arching her back. Her eyes fell on a man then, looming behind her with much curiosity and lust painted on his face. She gasped, back away. She could see now that this man was clearly a miscreant, a bearded pirate with lawlessness in his soul. He raised his hands high, surrendering, and took a single step backward. Now the way the story ends depends on what medicine the ghostly grannies who tell it think you need. So I'll ask you, do you need a bit of adventure or a risk-taker muse? If so, then the story ends like this. The sulky saw the whole of her life, every bit of the story, the old haggard shed in her dream come true in this pirate's eyes. She saw their night spent wild, her body pushing a babe forth with him at her side, the love songs he would sing her and his face at the moment of his death. In that moment, she was up for all of it. Every flash was a yet to be lived memory and she would exchange none of them, not one for the undersea life. The sea can wait, she said aloud, tossing her pell into the pirate's arms and reaching for him. And they lived happily ever after, until that fateful day when his mortality took him from her. If, on the other hand, the ghostly grannies think you need the medicine of kinship and belonging, they'll end this tale just so. The selkie looked to the pirate, then to the sea. Amid the waves, she could see the elder seals swimming, their black mirror eyes beckoning her to come forth, to come home, and she vowed to never again shun who she was, to never again lose her ancestral inheritance. And she slipped the pearl over her skin, melting into her live seal body before the pirate's eyes. She returned to the sea then now with a deep knowing of the wealth kept hidden beneath the waves. And the pirate had a very good story to tell that kept him warm for the rest of his days. Oh my love, if this story resounds with you in any way, should you realise you are yearning a life that perhaps you do not have? I'll leave this quote with you again by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. The doors to the world of the wild self are few but precious. If you have a deep scar, that is a door. If you have an old, old story, that is a door. If you love the sky and the water so much you almost cannot bear it. That is a door. If you yearn for a deeper life, a full life, a sane life, that is a door. Witches, if that applies to you, I hope you go find that door, open it and run through it like the selkie recovering her selkie skin. I want to say a huge thank you to Shannon Pearl for that beautiful version of my jolly sailor, Bold. She was the star of our Music Witch episode, I've linked her music in the show notes and also that episode. I'm so grateful for her letting me use that beautiful piece of music on today's show. Some of the information on today's show comes from ronellthemithmaker.com and the, uh, the Element Encyclopedia of Fairies by Lucy Cooper. If you like stories like these and extra content, come over to the White Witch Coven over on Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes and all of today's episode will be referenced in one of our grimoire pages. Each month we have an extra podcast episode, witchy chats in our witchcraft coven. There's loads of extra content as well. You can find me on Instagram at the White Witch Company, Facebook the White Witch Company and email carly at the Company.co.uk. I forgot to mention Patreon is just £6 a month. You can cancel at any time. If you feel the call to and you're happy to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, I'll be ever so grateful. It means that other witches can find the show. Aside from that, have a great week, witches. I will catch up with you all soon. Lots and lots of witchy love.